For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part 27 of the series. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 10 and look at the prophetic significance of what is happening here in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is an account where Peter is given a vision of unclean things, and we're going to look at what the meaning of all of this is. To begin with, in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it is written, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house. The phraseology, a devout man and one that feared God, tells us that he is a proselyte. And in the book, The Messianic Idea in Israel by Joseph Klausner on page 479, he will explain about first century proselytes. In the Tanaitic period, there was a large group of semi-proselytes or half-proselytes. These persons were called variously devout ones, fearers, God-fearers, worshipers of God, and similar things. They are mentioned a number of times in the Acts of the Apostles and also in the works of Josephus. These God-fearers appropriated only the loftier ideas of Orthodox or Rabbinic Judaism, such as monotheism and the ethics of the prophets. Most of them kept the biblical Sabbath and refrained from eating swine's flesh, but they did not observe the numerous ritual rules of Pharisaic Judaism. So these proselytes, once again, they kept the biblical Sabbath, they ate clean food, but they did not follow all of rabbinic Judaism. Who would we call these people if they were living today? We would call them the followers of the Hebrew roots of their faith. Cornelius is instructed by an angel to send men to Peter. In Acts chapter 10, verse 3 and verses 5 and 6, it is written, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He will tell you what you ought to do. Cornelius then sends three people to see Peter. In Acts chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, it is written, and when the angel which spake 
spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Peter has a vision while he is praying. In Acts chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it is written, And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry, and he would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending upon him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth. So in describing this great sheet knit at the four corners, what is being described here is a talit. Because a talit, or a prayer shawl, he was seeking to pray, a prayer shawl is worn and at the corners of the talit is zitzit. And zitzit has the purpose of causing you to remember to follow the Torah of the God of Israel. Now, it was the corner of the garments where the zitzit was worn that the woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched Yeshua. In Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 27, it is written, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard of Yeshua she came in the press behind and touched his garment what she touched was at the corner of his garment which is the zitzit now the purpose of wearing zitzit as is told in Numbers chapter 15 and verses 37 through 40 is to cause one of the children of Israel to remember to follow the Torah and did not do their own ideas in Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 40, it is written, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go a-whoring, that you remember and do all the commandment and be holy unto your God. And when this woman stretched out her hand to touch Yeshua's garment or what was at the corner of his garment, it represented the prophetic picture is she's reaching out to grab hold of his commandments or to follow his Torah. And by following his Torah is how she is going to be made whole. In Mark chapter 5 verses 28 and 29 it is written, for she said if I may but touch his clothes, referring to following his Torah, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And the plague that is being referred to is literally what was in her body, but prophetically it speaks of the exile of the tribes of Israel. Now, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 2, Peter in his vision sees unclean animals, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. In the Torah, it is forbidden to eat unclean food. In Leviticus, in chapter 11, verse 7, it is written, And the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven-footed, yet he chews not the cud, he is unclean to you. In Leviticus, in chapter 11, verses 41 and 42, you are forbidden to eat things that creep on the earth. And every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth shall be an 
abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatsoever goes upon the belly and whatsoever goes upon all four or whatsoever has more feet among all creeping things that creep upon the earth, them you shall not eat for they are an abomination. It is forbidden by the Torah to eat unclean birds. Leviticus chapter 11 verses 13 and 14. And these are they which you shall have in abomination among the fowls and among them is the vulture. In Leviticus in chapter 20 and verse 25 it is written, you shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, between unclean fowls and clean, and you shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as being unclean. So what we're going to present to you is these unclean things that Peter saw in his vision is going to represent the spiritual condition of the northern kingdom or the ten tribes or Ephraim. So let's continue to develop this. The northern kingdom was taken captive by the Assyrians. In 2 Kings chapter 15 verse 29 it is written, In the days of Pekah king of Israel came Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria and he took various cities that are mentioned and among them it goes on to say Gilead and Galilee all the land of Naphtali and he carried them captive to Assyria. And in being taken captive to Assyria, Ephraim is said to eat unclean food there. Hosea chapter 9 verse 3. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. The God of Israel instructed Hosea to marry Gomer. And the children that are mentioned as a result of their marriage in Hosea chapter 1 is a prophecy of the judgment that would come upon the northern kingdom for departing from the Torah. In Hosea chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 it is written, The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto you a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land has committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diplam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the first child that is mentioned is named Jezreel in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 4. Jezreel means God will sow or God will scatter. The judgment upon the northern kingdom is that they would be sown or they would be scattered into the nations of the world. In the Torah anthology in the 12 prophets volume 1 page 15 it explains that the 10 tribes would be regarded as being scattered. In the Targums that the Hebrew word is regarded as being scattered call his name Jezreel. Thus means that Hosea prophesied that the future exile of the 10 tribes that they would be scattered among the nations. The next child that is mentioned in Hosea chapter 1 verse 6 is named Lo Ruhama. Lo in Hebrew means not, Ruhama means mercy. So the name of this child is No Mercy. Then we have the third child that is mentioned whose name is Lo Ami. Lo in Hebrew is not Am is people, Ami is my people. So the child's name is not my people. So the name of the three children is Jezreel. I'm going to sow you and scatter you into the nations of the world. Lo Ruhama, I'm not going to show you mercy. Lo Ami, you are not my people. In effect, the God of Israel has cut the northern kingdom off from the covenant. And in fact, in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 8, we're told that the northern kingdom was given a bill of divorce. After giving a negative judgment, I'm going to scatter the nations. I'm not going to show you mercy. You're not my people. Then we have a promise of restoration. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 10, it says, Yet the number of the children 
of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. Now, when you see this phrase, the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, what comes to your mind? What should come to your mind is the promise that was made to Abraham, that his descendants would be as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the sea. So in other words, what we're being told here is that through the judgment of the northern kingdom, that the God of Israel is going to fulfill his covenant promise to Abraham. It goes on to say in Hosea chapter 1 verse 10, and it will come to pass that in the place where it was said, you are not my people, where is it said that you are not my people? Here in the judgment of the northern kingdom, that there it will be said, you are the sons of the living God. Now, who is the son of the living God? Well, in John in chapter 1 and verse 12, a son of the living God is a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even of them that believe on his name. So the prophecy that was given to the northern kingdom is even though that they would be cut off from the covenant, they would be no mercy, not my people, that ultimately God would restore them and they would go from being not his people to being sons of the living God. This is a prophecy that those of the northern kingdom would become believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. In Ezekiel in chapter 8, verse 6 and verses 9 and 10, we see that abomination is associated with creeping things and abominable beasts. He said, furthermore unto me, son of man, see thou what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel commits here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn you yet again and you will see greater abominations. And he said unto me, go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went and saw and behold every form of creeping thing and abominable beast and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. Now in Hosea in chapter 2, remember the book of Hosea is written to the northern kingdom. Hosea chapter 1 prophesies of their judgment and then it tells us of their restoration. So Hosea chapter 2 goes on to say in their restoration, this is what the God of Israel promised to do under the northern kingdom. Hosea in chapter 2 in verses 18 through 20. And in that day will I make a covenant with them. What's going to be the name of that covenant? The new covenant. He's going to make a covenant for them to become sons of the living God, for them to become believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, with the fowls of the heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground. These are terms that describe the northern kingdom for departing from the Torah. And in making the covenant with the northern kingdom, who is described as being a beast of the field and a fowl of the heaven and a creeping thing of the ground, it says, I'm going to betroth you unto me forever. I will betroth you unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth you unto me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. In the book, The Messianic Idea in Israel by Joseph Klausner on page 48, he explains from Hosea chapter 2 that we are told that the future uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel is likened or patterned after the historical Egyptian redemption, where it says, Hosea prophesies that the future redemption, that is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel, will be like the redemption from the Egyptian bondage. And quoting from Hosea in chapter 2, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly unto her, and I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Acor for Adore Hope, and she will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. In Acts chapter
chapter 10 and verse 13, it is written, and there came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So Peter is given this vision of unclean entities. And we've just defined for you what actually is happening here. That in the context of three men who are coming to visit Peter's house, while they are coming, Peter has this vision of these unclean things. And he's told to rise, kill and eat. And what we're developing for you is seeing that the unclean things that Peter is seeing is going to relate to the northern kingdom, how they were cut off from the covenant. But there was a promise that the God of Israel would enter into covenant with them and betrothed them unto him forever. And so before they repent and return, they have a spiritual status of being unclean like these animals. And also in the perspective, in the viewpoint of a Pharisaic Jew of the first century, that if you would mingle with a non-Jew, this was forbidden because the non-Jew is seen as not following Torah commandments and therefore you endanger that the Jew who would be intermingling with the non-Jew may, through the intermingling, be violating one of the commandments. And so this is the background of what's happening and ultimately what we're going to see is the understanding and the meaning of Peter's vision. So he's told to kill and eat. Well, the word kill is the Strong's number 2380 in the Strong's Greek Dictionary and it means to make a sacrifice and it can be a reference to, for example, killing a Passover lamb, but it means to sacrifice or to slaughter. And what we're going to understand here is that this is going to be related to a sacrificial meal. In Genesis in chapter 31 and verse 54, it says, Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread. So in making this sacrifice, which is the Strong's number 2077 in the Strong's Hebrew dictionary, it's the Hebrew word zabak. It means a sacrifice, a covenant sacrifice, or a thank offering. And so it's possible to make a particular sacrifice that is related to a covenantal meal that involves thanksgiving. Peter is told here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 13 to rise, kill, and eat. Now, sacrifices are done in the Torah in part to draw near to the God of Israel. And the Hebrew word is korban. In Leviticus in chapter 3 verse 1, it says, if his oblation, that would mean his offering or his korban, be a sacrifice, and this is the Strong's number 2077, which is the same word that is used of what Jacob did in making his sacrificial meal, that the word here is zabak, which means a sacrifice, a covenant sacrifice, or a thank offering. So a sacrifice or a korban for the purpose of friendship is known as a shalem or a peace offering. So in Acts chapter 10 verse 13, it says there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat, where it says in Leviticus chapter 3 and verse 1 that if your oblation, that means if your korban, be a sacrifice, a zabak, for a covenantal meal of a peace offering, a shalem. And so shalem means a peace offering, or it can mean an offering for the alliance or friendship. And ultimately, this is what Peter 
Peter is being instructed to do. Now, a korban or a sacrifice for friendship, a shalem, is an offering to the God of Israel. In Leviticus chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it is written, And if your oblation, that means your korban, be a sacrifice, a zabak, of a peace offering, a shalem, he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, the shalem, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Now, in Acts chapter 10, verses 14 through 16, Peter is told three times to eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God has cleansed, that call not common. And this was done three times, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, the reason why he was told three times is because there was three men who was coming to see him. In Acts chapter 10, verse 17, now while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, because it did not make literal sense. But in the Torah, it says that when the God of Israel is going to speak to you in a prophetic dream, he's going to speak to you in types and symbols. So the vision that Peter is seeing is meant to be symbolic. In Acts chapter 10, in verse 19, it says, While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek you. Arise, therefore, and get you down and go with them, doubting nothing. Doubting nothing about what? About receiving the three men. See, the vision was so that Peter would not doubt to receive the three men who were not Jewish into his house. Now, Peter's attitude toward the non-Jew represents the attitude of rabbinic Judaism toward the non-Jew. In Acts chapter 10, verse 21 and verse 28, it is written, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am him who you seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation. Now, he says, You know that is an unlawful thing. It's a violation of the Torah. It is not a violation of written Torah, but it is a violation of Pharisaic Judaism or Rabbinic Judaism or Orthodox Judaism or according to the oral law. So Peter had in his mind the adhering to oral law regarding this manner. And so in order that he would receive the three men into his house, the God of Israel gave Peter a vision, in essence, telling him, receive them into your house and have fellowship with them. In Leviticus in chapter 17, verse 10, regarding food, it is written, in whatsoever men there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eat any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. In the sayings of the fathers, Perke Avot, 1, 1, there is a instruction about that you are to make a fence around the Torah. In Perke Avot 1, 1, it says, Moses received the Torah from Sinai and transmitted it to Joshua. Joshua transmitted it to the elders, the elders to the prophets, and the prophets transmitted it to the men of the great assembly. They, the men of the great assembly, said three things. Be deliberate in judgment, raise many students, and make a protective fence for the Torah. 
Well, that's going to conclude part 27 of the series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.